podcast uses profanity and topics may be disturbing for some listeners. Listen at your own risk. Welcome back to Hell on Heels podcast. I'm Bryce. I'm Brianna. I'm Amanda. And hello again, as always. How are you guys? Good. Just moved into the new place. How is it? It's actually really nice. I like it a lot. Yeah, it's so much bigger than my previous place. That my tiny ass apartment. But that was student housing before, wasn't it? Yeah, it was like off campus student housing. I didn't say it was on campus. I lived in off campus student housing. Yeah. Yeah, it was. But this is like, it's really only, I want to say, like, gosh, I don't, I don't know. Oh, hold on, hold on, hold on. It's only 1,600 square feet, but all of the bedrooms are on the upper level, so. Of your current apartment or of your previous of, one? Uh, this one, Let's my see, current that's that's bigger yeah. than my um, my house. Yeah, it's really nice. How are you, Amanda? Oh, I'm great. When we did the intro, I was actually almost gonna say I'm eating because James made Korean food, and I'm super excited. Oh, that's exciting. Mm, that sounds good. He made a kimchi chige, which is just kimchi stew, and I am in hog heaven. I don't think I've ever had kimchi. I had oh it God, once, so good. and I hated it. <laughs> if you sound. like, I tell people usually, if you like sauerkraut, then give kimchi a try. If you don't like sauerkraut, then steer clear of kimchi. Oh. I will Hate not be it. doing kimchi then. Thank you for yeah. that. I love it. I love anything acidic. Just, just fuck up my mouth buds, or whatever they're <laughs> called. Your mouth buds. <laughs> I like mouth buds more than taste buds, so sounds more exciting. <laughs> well, um, I am sick, so I apologize to anyone that hears me clear my throat or or coughing. And I'm sure, Amanda, you'll get some video of me coughing or blowing my nose throughout this recording. But looking forward to it. I am a COVID cootie queen. So mm-hmm. here we go. Um, That's the benefits of doing everything online. I know, right? Mm-hmm. I'm so lucky that I have the job I have now because I'm able to work 100% remote. So as soon as I knew I had to go get, te- correction, as soon as I knew Cody had to go get tested, I was like, I'm working from home because I don't know if he's positive. And at that time I felt fine and he was just starting to get sick. Mm-hmm. Um, Yeah, so I just was able to work from home. Like, And it's really great because like my, my supervisor right now is messaging me and I'm like, I don't feel any guilt for working from home because... They all work from home too, so half the time I'm the only one there. <laughs> but well, that's good at least. Yeah. So, oh, anyway, so if my voice sounds off or I cough or clear my throat and don't catch it during editing, I apologize. I'm gonna do my best to mute myself when I'm not talking, which is never because you're always talking. I know. <laughs> I like I like the sound of my own voice. What can I say? I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, okay, are you guys ready to get started? Do you guys have any other updates? Any Anything else? I do have a very important update. <laughs> I just remembered when Jack texted me that I have a pizza in the oven, so he'll probably make that for me during the podcast sometime and bring it upstairs. 
Okay, that's very nice of him. I forgot <laughs> an update of my own that I was going to tell you guys. Maisie started her training last week before we all started getting sick. And so she is officially in puppy dog training. And our trainer may or may not have said she's one of the cutest dogs she's ever seen. So I'm just, I'm just proud of my little puppy for being so adorable. She's kind of a jerk though. So I mean, evens her out. (laughs) Before we go, we're on what, episode 12? This is 12, right? Mm -hmm. I think so, yeah. We have a dozen under our belt. Next time we can say it's a baker's dozen. Yeah. Yes. Fun fact, do you know why they call it a baker's dozen? No, I was actually going to ask you if you knew why. I did, but it has nothing to do with the fact that I used to decorate cakes. Just I Googled it a lot because I'm curious. I'm a curious. I'm curious. Um, But apparently back in medieval times, they would weigh bread. And so they call it a baker's dozen because they would throw in an extra loaf in a dozen to make it 13. Because if it did not weigh up correctly, then they could actually be, uh, what's it called? It was illegal, basically. If people pay for a dozen bread loaves, then it was illegal for them to not weigh a specific amount. So they would throw in that third one to make sure that they weren't breaking the law. 13th one? Mm-hmm. Oh. Wow. So they didn't want to get... Like what time? Like how long ago are we talking? Like medieval? Yeah, like medieval, medieval, okay, okay. medieval. So medieval. they didn't want to be guillotined. Yes. Well, okay. I think actually guillotines. Uh, ooh, we should do some of these for paranormal because I love. I might do some of these, but guillotines were for the more respected people, like nobles and stuff. People yeah. that weren't I'm as sure. respected, they got way worse. I don't want to know. I don't yeah. want to know. They got like quartered and shit. Quartered? I don't want to know. Yeah, quartered. Meaning people threw millions and millions of quarters at them? No, meaning like there's four quarters and a dollar. And there is... So basically they tie you up to four horses, leg, leg, arm, arm. Mm-hmm. And then the horses all go in opposite directions. I think there's a different term <laughs> for it too. I can't remember what it's called though. Thank you. Okay. So back to my stew. This is delicious. Um, Well, back to your story, because I think you're up. Mm -hmm. So why don't you kick us off? Mine is pretty short, um, but I think it works because Brie has a long one. But Mm -hmm. before I say anything about my case, I want to give a shout out to Michael Whelan or Whelan. I'm sorry. I don't know how to say it. Uh, but it's Michael W H E L A N, and it's Michael Whelan of the Unresolved Podcast for doing the absolute best research I've seen on this case. I wanted to do this case earlier, but I started researching it and I stopped because it's hard to find a lot of info on the victim and the case itself. But he did a lot, and like his website was crucial. It's wonderful. Okay, well, thank you. Michael, who we can't say his last name. <laughs> we appreciate you. <laughs> yes. So this starts uh, Sunday, February 8th of 1981. A woman turned in a tan, blood-spattered backpack into the police. Inside the backpack, the police found a black jacket and two shirts. Not sus. But they sent Officer James Doherty to the Golden Gate Park 
in San Francisco, specifically close to Alverd Lake in the park where the bag was found, just in case. So he searched around the area and he eventually came across a young African-American man in a blue sleeping bag in the bushes. And this is a quote. Using my baton to lift the loose sleeping bag, I discovered a complete decapitation. Nope, you don't know. Yeah, <clears throat> we're uh, we're coming in hot or cold, or yes, either both. We're coming in lukewarm. I don't know if that's good or bad. It's great for bottles. Fingerprints later identified the victim as 29-year-old Leroy Carter Jr. He was born September 17th, 1951 in Louisiana, and he served in the Army as a private first class before being discharged. We don't know how, but he ended up living on the streets of San Francisco as a transient. Prince revealed a rap sheet for multiple petty crimes like stealing, thievery, loitering. So nothing too violent. He was honestly probably just trying to survive as a homeless person. And these crimes, I mean, I don't see anything dangerous with this. Carter's body was found in the sleeping bag in a pool of blood. The time of death was determined to be either late night or early morning. Police believe the decapitation was made by either a machete or a very sharp axe. The deputy coroner later called the cut very clean, and he thought it was done by a skilled hand. Ugh. <clears throat> I don't like that. Police searched the park thoroughly for the head and weapons, but none were ever found. So he his decapitated head was never found. Correct. Okay. Because initially, I when you said it, it made me think like it was a body and a head. The head just was not connected. I did not connect the dots that the head was just not there. No. Um. Yeah, they when they were searching for it, they they did not find it. Um, who takes a head? I don't. Why killers I, who want their prize? But that's a someone. That's a big prize. How are you going to hide that? Okay, I don't know, but all I know, I I know that y'all have never seen it, but for those of you who have watched AHS American Horror Story, I know that in the first season of American Horror Story. Um, in the little intro type thing, they have, I, and I think I'm pretty sure it is. They have a like decapitated head, you know, like in a jar full of stuff that most likely preserves it or something like that. So. No, thanks. So do y'all have any guesses on what email us would be? Oh no, I'm going to tell them. But do y'all have any questions? Oh, you're asking on you what, what could be. Yes. What could be the reason? Any any guesses? That the person was murdered? Or that they took the head? I'm confused on what we're guessing. Believe why was murdered? Yes. On why he was murdered, why they took the head, what was potentially done with the head. Do you have any theories? Do you have an answer or do you have theories? <laughs> I have as close to the answer as we're going to get. Okay. Um, mm -hmm. My guess is because the, um, I mean, because they took his head, my guess is that the killer knew them. And it, as I said, as like a prize because they were 
proud of doing it. That's just my theory. I think someone not is based fuck- on hypothesis, not based on any other. I think someone's fucked up and just killed someone because they're a jerk. <laughs> Does that count as a theory? <laughs> I don't know. Um, or is that factual? No, that counts as a theory. I probably yeah. should have told you this part first before I got your theories. Um, so everything I've said so far, that's not the most disturbing part of this case. The most Why ask for theories if we don't have all the information? Yeah, come on, Amanda. Jesus. Okay, okay. Let me give it to you then. So the most disturbing thing about the body was that there is a raw chicken wing and two individual kernels of corn stuck inside the neck wound. The fuck? So Sanders out on a killing spree? What the fuck? So let me get this straight. The cut was very clean, as if someone knew what they were doing. Correct. There were two pieces of raw of a raw chicken wing. No, one wing, one raw chicken wing, and two individual kernels of corn. Were were the kernels cooked? Is this a racial? Or were they raw? Huh. No, no, it wasn't. Like it wasn't specifically because he was a uh, person of color. Okay. Yeah, you know, I also kind of want to say that this is Colonel Sanders going on a killing spree. It was Colonel Sanders. <laughs> <laughs> and just for the it, record, he Colonel Sanders has nothing to do with this, y'all. We're just making jokes. No. It's Colonel Sanders in the park with a chicken wing. Yes. Okay. You just won clue. (laughs) Finally, my time has come. (laughs) So the police, they see all this and they're basically like, what? So Sandy Gallant, I hope that's how you say her last name. It's either Gallant or Gallant, but I like Gallant. It sounds fancy. I like (laughs) it. Let's stick with fancy. Sandy Gallant. She was an investigator with San Francisco Police Department, and she recently made a name for herself as the cult cop. That's what they called her because she did a lot of work and research on the Jamestown massacre case. So they kind of they kind of brought her in and were like, hey, this look crazy to you. That's an actual quote. And it's not. This look crazy. Does it just look crazy to you? Yeah. Do you got any, you know, you ever seen anything like this in your culty experience? So she looked at the file and she noticed similarities between that case and Santerian sacrificial rituals. So Santeria sounded like a cult. I was honestly (laughs) thinking that. (laughs) You should have said it. (laughs) Santeria is a religion that started in the Yoruba tribe in Nigeria, and it was brought to Cuba via slave slave ships, excuse me. Over the years, it evolved to eventually incorporate some Christian and voodoo practices and beliefs. And while sacrifice does play a major role in Santeria, small animals are sometimes said to be sacrificed, and human sacrifices are rare if they're even practiced at all. I hope they're not practiced oh, at all. Okay, keep keep going. Keep going. I'm sorry. So Gallant started researching offshoots that in, uh, offshoots of Santeria that involved black magic. And one of them that stuck out to her is called Palo Mayombe. 
And Wait, it's called it, what? Palo Mayombe. And it stuck out to her because it mixes Santeria with Aztec sacrifices, devil worship, and voodoo. So this it's like a lot of black magic all mixed into one. I think they're only allowed to choose yeah. one. Oh, no, they chose them all. This isn't like a pick and choose. This is like a you get one option, I think. No, they were like, I want all of the dark shit. And then Don't. they named it Palo Mayombe. I, every time you say it, I want to say like Olay afterwards. Payo Mayombe Olay. That's all I keep thinking. Says the Latina. Half. I mean, I'll, I'll take it. Yes. I just want to yell okay. Olay. Okay, fine. Do you want to be Lat or Tina if you're half? I want to be Tina. Okay, says the <laughs> Tina. <laughs> So I am in no way, shape, or form like an expert on religion, by the way, especially these. Um, but this is what I have come to through my research. This is the best way that I can explain them without launching into a huge rabbit hole. So to kind of help her with her research, Gallant consulted Charles Wetley. And at the time, he was believed to be the leading expert on Santeria in the United States. and he was also coroner of Dade County, Florida. No big deal. I mean, Mans was busy. That's impressive. So working together, Wetley and Gallant hypothesized that the murder was related to some type of ritual involving or possibly Santeria. And if it was, then the ritual was not completed. Gallant returned to her superiors and reported her theory. She, they believed that Carter was decapitated in a sacrificial ritual performed by people practicing either Santeria or a darker offshoot. The head was needed so the brain and possibly the eyes and ears would be brewed over the course of 21 days and eventually eaten. Oh, no, 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 not, no. You literally the first story... First story after the new year, you include cannibalism. I told oh, you no I wouldn't word. wait. Like, fuck it, no. I thought we'd have a longer break. No. Oh. So, <laughs> um, this is an exact quote from Gallant. At the end of those 21 days, if the priest deemed it appropriate, he would actually sleep in an area with this head and with this cauldron for another 21-day period. Then on the 42nd day, he discards the head in close proximity to where he took it from. And to him, that was a sacred way of returning the head. Wait. So according... Go ahead. So either after 21 days, the priest says, okay, we can eat the head now. But if he doesn't say that, then he sleeps with the head for another 21 days and then he puts the head back where it was. And so they don't eat the head. Oh, no. Head's eaten. Head's eaten regardless. They brew it for 21 days. Uh, the brain, the eyes and the ears. They would brew it for over 21 days and then they would eat it. And after those 21 days, if the priest deemed it appropriate. Now, I couldn't find what would make it appropriate and what wouldn't. I assume that has something to do with the sacrifice. Then he would sleep in an area with the head and that cauldron for 21 more days. 
And after those, then he would take the head, I guess, what was left of it back to where he got it from. No, absolutely not. No. First of all, if you're going to do this, why would you put the body in like a easily found place? Like in a park? Like, no. They're not very well, smart. No, I mean, they're just going to put it back in the park. Like, no. I mean, if their and hypothesis is correct, yes. How they did know. they discard? My question is, how did they discard the head after it had been eaten? Because obviously they didn't eat the bones or whatever. Yeah, so they would just discard the skull and they would yes. eat the brain and the flesh. But wouldn't the that be obvious to. Like officials and stuff. Probably. I mean, I guess it depends on what time they would bring the it back. I mean, I, okay. I don't think it's going to be fully decomposed after forty-two days, or after twenty-one days for that. Well, well, because they're mean, cooking it the first twenty-one, and then he sleeps with mm -hmm. it for another twenty-one, so forty-two if, days. Well, if he deems it necessary, or if he deems, if he wants to, yeah. Essentially, I guess if the sacrifice goes as planned. I don't think any sacrifice goes as planned. <laughs> I don't. I don't think that people are thinking this through. Yeah. When I thought it, they thought it through. I. I don't think they did. According to Gallant, after forty-two days, the skull would be found in Golden Gate Park along Alvord Lake, where Leroy Carter Jr. was murdered. So, she takes a story, like I said, to her superiors. And the homicide investigators and the chief of detectives thought it was hilarious. She said they literally laughed at her. And they did not believe her. <clears throat> Until. Didn't they ask her to do all this research? Yes. They asked for her input. And then they Wait. laughed at her input? Yes. Uh, yeah, I didn't get that part either. Let me bet they found the school well, after 42 days. Okay. I will just say a lot of people choose not to believe the bizarre stories that happen, but I mean, it happens. It's real. You you can't deny it. But you said until. I personally just, don't understand because like you said, Bryce, they went to her and was like, hey, you got any ideas on this? And then she went to a freaking expert and they come up with this theory together. And still these guys are like, <laughs> nah, nah. Well, that's <laughs> what I mean is like, they came to her. She is an expert in, you know, digging. And she went to an expert with all this information. They did all this research. It's not like they were sitting there when they first called her. And she's like, here's my theory. This had to have taken her time to develop this theory. It's not like she was like, five minutes in, here's my theory. No, it's probably took her weeks to develop. And then, yeah, I don't know how long, but she did. She researched multiple religions. Well, that's what I mean is like, that's not that's not an easy thing to do. Like researching any religion can take so much time. And then for the police who asked for her help to just be like, <laughs> she's crazy. No. Um, what? What a waste of time for everyone. Why do you even ask for her help if you're going to laugh her off? Literally. So March 22nd, 1981. This is 42 days after the murder of Leroy Carter Jr. Gallant and her partner returned to the crime scene, surely out of curiosity, because Gallant said at this time, 
I assume it's from listening to her superiors and everybody else and probably being the laughing stock. She said she was just filled with self-doubt, but she knew this was supposed to be the day that it was happening. She was like, I just got to look. So her and her partner go to the return to the crime scene and in the weeds next to the water of Alvord Lake, they find the decomposing head of Leroy Carter Jr. Oh why? Why God. laugh at women that do all this research? Like, why? Why laugh at anyone that does this research that you ask them to do? You know, what? I hope she went back and said, I told you so. I told you so. Yeah, I kind of hope that she went back with it in a bag and was like, hmm, hmm, hmm. What's this? Hmm. Wonder. Now, not many details regarding what state the head was found in or why the head was returned to the scene was released by police. But... Almost everybody that I researched on this case, no, that's a lie. Every source that I found on this case believed that Gallant was correct in her theory and the ritual, whatever it was, had been completed. What do y'all think? Because I think that bitch was on point and I think she knew what she was talking about. I think she's I think right. it explains the theory. I mean, the, not that I think it explains the killing. I mean, mm -hmm. How else? Okay. What I'm confused about is the raw chicken wing and the two kernels. What did that, do you have any idea what that had to do with the actual ritual? I couldn't find, um, I tried to find it and there, y'all, there's a shit ton of rituals in these religions. Um, I could not find it. I You're found probably a lot of crazy some sort of blacklist now for your Google searches? Oh, that's been there. That's fine. I've, I've been on that list. Like, it's cool. If James Maybe you're wants on to a... get rid of me, it's going to be real easy. I've literally looked up how to bury a dead body just out of pure curiosity and shows that I watch too, because that shit gets you, you know? Well, I mean, yeah. I also th wonder if you're now on some sort of cult calling list. I wonder if that's who's been calling my cell phone. Because I've been getting some crazy numbers, y'all, but <laughs> jokes on y'all because I don't have my voicemail set up. <laughs> it's those, that's the, what, what cult was it again? Uh, which one? Centuria or Palo Mayombe? Ole. Ole. <laughs> jinx, 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 jinx. <laughs> so there is one picture that I found, um, and it's purely of Leroy Carter Jr.'s grave because I could not find a picture of him, but I still want to give him respect because this is fucked up. It's a fucked up way to go. And it's even more fucked up that they literally could have caught, they could have potentially caught the person that did this if they would have just taken her seriously. Yeah, so I on the drive that. there, there is a picture of his grave. I already was looking at it. So I hope you're not offended that that's the first yeah. thing. <laughs> I was too. Oh, I don't care. <laughs> Ugh. Ugh. That's so sad, though. No, I don't. No. I mean, that, that whole story, like, he was an army vet, and he fought in the U.S. Army, and then his head was decapitated for some religion that he never, I mean, he didn't, he most likely didn't believe in. I, I don't enjoy this, because mm -hmm. he... He was probably just chilling, hanging out. And the thing. cannibalism. Why the cannibalism? We can. We made her promise until 2022, and she upheld her end of the deal, so now every one of her stories is going to involve cannibalism. 
Yeah, I guess you're right. We should have made her promise until 2023. <laughs> Funny story, even my daughter was laughing. <laughs> <laughs> See, Annie's on the same page. She's like, yeah, yeah. mom. She is her mother's child. <laughs> she is so cute. Uh, I don't. Oh, she smells so good. <laughs> Sorry. You can't say that and then, like, continue on talking about a cannibalism. Yeah, can't. She's my daughter. She's fucked up. We all know it. She's gonna be. Well, I'm not saying that. That's not what's happening. She's the cutest little girl. <laughs> Wait, show her face. I can't see her face. I don't want to see your face. I want to see her face. Hi, Annie! She's so cute! Hi! Hi, little girl. Hi. She... She's like, nah. Over these people. <laughs> Here you go. I made this. You made that? Hello! I made she's, this. Oh. <laughs> she's like, I'm over this. Mom put me down. <laughs> yeah. She's you so want to talk about cannibalism? Oh, yeah. she no. looks excited. She's like, yeah, let's do it, Ma. Yeah. Talk about cannibalism? She's breastfed. I mean, that's kind of cannibalism, right? No. 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 It was the first <laughs> couple months. Trust me. I hope it wasn't. No, because babies, like, you know, they don't, like, latch on, and so it, it, like, hurts. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I can imagine. But I want kids so bad. (laughs) So, what is your story? Okay. Is this, is this a story that one time where you're, like, December 5th, something happened on December 5th, or whatever it was, and then you found this one? Yep, sure is. And I'm really excited to tell it to y'all. So, so as I said this week, I'm not necessarily doing a quote-unquote paranormal story, but a story of something that since Columbus sailed the ocean blue in 1492 cannot be explained. This is the story of the Bermuda Triangle. Many strange happenings surrounding the Bermuda Triangle have occurred, including dozens of ships and airplanes disappearing following unexplained circumstances. History.com explains the, quote, Bermuda Triangle as a mythical section of the Atlantic Ocean roughly bounded by Miami, Bermuda, and Puerto Rico, and the area referred to as the Bermuda Triangle, or Devil's Triangle, covers about 500,000 square miles of ocean off the southeastern tip of Florida, end quote. And y'all can go ahead and go to the first picture that just shows where the Bermuda Triangle is located. I never realized that it was that big. Like looking at a map, like, yeah, it's big, but I never realized it was that damn big. Yeah, it's huge. I knew it was huge. Well, damn, that's a big area to stay away from. Yeah. Plus, it's like really hard because, I mean, you know, it's, what is that? show i mean yeah it looks like you know half of north america kind of like the vertex of the triangle the top of the triangle looks a lot like i don't know but yeah um so here is what is known of the bermuda triangle we know the location we know that the bermuda triangle does not appear on world maps because the lines are essentially imaginary 
the phrase Bermuda Triangle was not used until an author named Vincent Gaddis coins the term in a 1964 pulp magazine article. And he used the term to describe a triangular region, quote, that has destroyed hundreds of ships and planes without a trace, end quote. Charles Berlitz, the author of the book The Bermuda Triangle in 1974, claimed that Atlantis, the lost city under sea, participated in these disappearances and therefore popularized the legend even further by writing his book. And we know that many of the ships and airplanes reported missing have not been recovered. What is not known about the Bermuda Triangle is the exact number of ships and airplanes that have disappeared. Only about 50 ships and 20 airplanes have been officially confirmed. However, some believe that over 300 aircrafts and ships have disappeared. And it is also not known why the disappearance have occurred within the area of the Bermuda Triangle. So let's get into the legends. And I would just like to say, if I forget to tell y'all to switch over to like the next picture or whatever, every time that I talk about like something new, there's like a different picture for each of those things. So y'all can go ahead and go to the second picture. Um, Stories of strange activities within the Bermuda Triangle date back hundreds of years with some of the earliest stories told by Christopher Columbus and his crew. During his first journey across the Atlantic Ocean in 1492, Columbus reported many strange sightings within the area that is now called the Bermuda Triangle. The first of his sightings report, reported that stars appeared to move around in the sky. Another described Columbus seeing a light, almost like that of a candle moving up and down in the distance. He asked his crew to look at the lights and it vanished and reappeared many times. The most unusual thing that Columbus says he saw was a glowing object coming out of the water and shooting towards the sky. Many people think that this must have been a light on the shore or possibly from another ship. However, some believe that Columbus might have seen a UFO. He reported a great flame of fire crashed into the sea, and weeks later, a strange light appeared in the distance. He also wrote of erratic compass readings. William Shakespeare's play The Tempest is said to be inspired by a real-life Bermuda Triangle shipwreck described by a voyager. Now, for those of you who don't know the story of The Tempest, it writes of the character Prospero using magic to summon a storm that torments the survivors of a shipwreck. The story by the Voyager was dated back to July 24, 1609, describing a fleet of nine English vessels when they ran into a, quote, cruel tempest, presumably a hurricane in the Bermuda waters. Nonetheless, the strange happenings that occurred within the Bermuda Triangle did not capture the public eye until the 20th century when Charles Blitz wrote his book following the pulp magazine article. Now that we've kind of talked about the background a little bit, I'll give y'all a choice. We can get into the disappearances or I can tell y'all the theories that could explain why these disappearances occur. And then I'll go back to the other one. Uh, what do you want first, Bryce? I said what I wanted, but I was muted. I want disappearances <laughs> first because then we can start making our own theories for what the theories could be. Hi, Jack. Bye, Jack. Hold on one second. Let me eat a piece of this pizza. No, I agree too. I wanted to hear about the disappearances first. 
Okay, that's what I figured, and I actually have that next. Possibly one of the most mysterious stories of shipwrecks is the story of the Mary Celeste. It was discovered on December 4th, 1827, with everything in the correct place except for the crew. Originally, there were seven crew members, including Captain Benjamin Briggs, his wife, their two-year-old daughter, and the crew members. The ship was found stranded on the sea days after starting its journey from New York port to Genoa, Italy. And I hope I'm pronouncing that right. The ship was found off, and I hope I'm pronouncing this right, Azores Islands, with the sails up and lifeboat missing. Nine barrels in the cargo were empty, and studies of the ship found a sword on deck, but no trace of people or the missing lifeboat anywhere near it. Theories surrounding the Mary Celeste included criminal conspiracy, alien abduction, giant squid, natural disaster, and the Bermuda Triangle. However, none of these speculations really fit. Why would a crew member just abandon their ship never to be seen again? Because giant squid. That giant. is my... You know how okay, like but people have one irrational fear? Giant squid is mine. I will probably never be near one, but they terrify me. I used to have dreams about nightmares. Okay, but my thing, I totally understand that. But my thing is, if it were a giant squid, there is no point in taking out the fucking lifeboat because, I mean, that's just smaller. Like, how, what? Maybe. I mean, what, the, the squid is going to, you know, like, full-on eat your boat, and then he's just going to swim over to your lifeboat and eat that, too. Well, I think if it was a giant squid, they also it, that ship would have had a lot of damage to it. Things wouldn't still be in its proper place. Mm-hmm. I do want to argue, though, that maybe they thought that the squid was, like, preoccupied with the ship, and they're like, oh, well, we'll just drop this boat on the backside and get away. And the squid was like, nope, fuck y'all, because I just hate squid, y'all. I hate giant squid. They're terrible. they like a real thing? Didn't they yes. discover? Yeah, they okay. are in the depths of the ocean. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they're real. We just don't know much about them because of... I hate those things. I fucking hate those things. <laughs> and I think this might be the fourth or fifth picture, but y'all can go ahead and go to the next one. The Ellen Austin was a large cargo ship, 210 feet in length. In 1881, the ship was set to sail from, and different sources kind of said different things. I don't know if it was from New York to London or from London to New York. Um, when the crew on board found a small boat drifting along within the Bermuda Triangle, which they found to be abandoned. Captain Baker, the captain of the ship, observed the ship for two days to make sure that nothing was out of shape, out of the ordinary. And after those two days, they boarded the ship to found to find a shipment, but with no sign of the crew. Captain Baker then ordered four members of his crew to board the boat and sail it back to New York. On the second day of sailing, a huge storm separated the two boats. And this is kind of where 
I think that maybe it got a little wonky because it said back to New York, but I don't get why the captain, I guess the captain maybe like went back to New York with his crew, but I'm not 100% sure. On the second day of sailing, a huge storm separated the two boats, and once the storm passed, Captain Baker spotted the ship once again, drifting within the Bermuda Triangle. However, not like that. When the captain finally caught up with the ship, his crew members were gone. When Captain Baker ordered a new crew to board the small boat, they disappeared too. Bro. What boat? Leave the boat. Tow the boat. Leave it. People on the boat. Yeah, I know that was that one was really bizarre. Fucking triggered all around here. Why? Okay, first of all, if I was that crew member, I'd be like, no, they just disappeared (laughs) and we found it abandoned. What? No, I'm not. I mean, there would be a mutiny that day. Well, if if he was a mean captain, you know, and a crew member said, I don't know, fuck no. Then he could easily just throw him overboard. Unless all of them said, I they don't know, fuck no. Yeah, it's a mutiny. <laughs> and even then, I'm going to die anyway, apparently, or disappear. So fuck it. Like, you just, I don't know. I no, guess if no. I have to walk the plank or possibly disappear into something else, maybe I choose disappearing just so I knew. That's a good point. Yeah. I like that. Okay, yeah. But still, fuck you, Captain. Captain fuckhead rude like if i have a choice of how to die am i gonna walk the plank or am i gonna get on that ship and figure out where everyone else is because for all we know they just were transported to some party island well wait how many people were on his ship though because you just lost six i really hope they weren't necessary i don't know who's scrubbing the poop deck at this point but (laughs) it's you're you're a couple men down i know that the first time he um ordered four people to get on the second time, I'm not sure, um, but it could have been less or it could have been the same amount. Oh, maybe yeah, that's why there was just... no mutiny. Yeah, because there was nobody left. Yeah. Um, Natasha Frost from History.com explains the USS Cyclops. And this is a quote. I, didn't, I think that she explained it really well, so I didn't want to like alter it or anything. An especially infamous tragedy occurred on March 1918 when the USS Cyclops, a 542-foot-long Navy cargo ship with over 300 men and 10,000 tons of magnesium ore on board, sank somewhere between Barbados and the Chesapeake Bay. The Cyclops never sent out an SOS distress call despite being equipped to do so, and an extensive search found no wreckage. Only God and the sea know what happens to the great ship, U.S. President Woodrow Wilson later said. In 1941, two of the Cyclops' sister ships similarly vanished without a trace along nearly the same route. Stop going that way. They don't learn. (laughs) They really don't. Like, I mean, this. (sighs) if you can imagine, did I put up a picture of it? I think I did, actually. Of the Celeste? Of the Cyclops. I mean, oh my god, yeah. Cyclops. Yeah, I'm the making Cyclops shit up. is picture number yeah, that's five. Yeah, that's a huge it's, boat. It's huge, and it had 300 people on it. I and mean... 300 that, people just disappeared. Yeah, that doesn't just randomly disappear. I think it does. <laughs> okay, next picture. 
On January 31st, 1921, Carol A. Deering, a commercial schooner, was spotted off Hatteras Diamond Shoals, North Carolina. When Barbados investigators reached the ship, it was deserted along with the crew's personal items, navigational equipment, life rafts, all that jazz. And the ship is often called the ghost ship because it was found along the same period as few other ships that have disappeared within the Bermuda Triangle. But yeah, all of the people were. Oh, it was also on the border of the Bermuda Triangle. Like, here's North Carolina or whatever. You know, here's the thing. It was like on the very border of it. This one, this story is probably my favorite. And y'all will see why. Um, y'all can go ahead and go to the next picture. The case of Flight 19 is the most famous of all aircraft cases. It's worth noting because a group of five aircrafts vanished at the same time, along with a search plane sent to retrieve them. And there are a wide range of theories for this, but here are the basic facts. At 2 p.m. on December 5th, 1945, five Avenger torpedo bombers took off in good weather from Fort Lauderdale, Florida on a routine training mission that should have lasted only two hours. The pilots realized they were lost at 3.45 p.m. They radioed in at the same time that the flight leader, Lieutenant Taylor, who had been flying in the area for more than half a year, so he really knew his shit, reported that both of his compasses, meaning he had one compass and one backup compass, were out and their location was unknown. From here, there are two separate accounts of this story that I could find. History.com reports that radio facilities on land attempted to find the location of the lost squadron, but none were successful. Two hours passed along with many confusing messages back to land, and at 6.20 p.m., the squadron leader sent a distorted radio transmission calling his men to prepare to ditch their aircraft because of lack of fuel. Because at this point, they had been flying around for roughly about four and a half hours. Which is weird that they were lost, but they still could communicate via radio? Yeah, so... From what I know, this was 1945, so they didn't really have a GPS at the time. They mostly relied on compasses. And as I said, the lieutenant's compass and his backup compass were out. They didn't know the location of them. But they were able to talk back and forth to base in the, on the radio. Technology advancements. <laughs> what would we do without them? I know, right? For sure be Just, lost on my own street. Do you remember time, MapQuest? I'm sorry, yes. Brie, you probably don't. Do you remember MapQuest? I do. It, and I remember, it was oh, before boy. Google Maps. And boy, oh boy. I remember was, always thinking, I don't need directions out of my neighborhood MapQuest. Map yeah, I need direct. We went as a family road trip. We went from the bottom of Alabama to Chicago, Illinois. And that fucking blue, okay, 
because me and my brothers, we didn't get along until we were grown-ass adults. So that was hell. Uh, but MapQuest is the website that you would type in, like, where you're starting and where you're going. And it would print out a yeah. map and directions on where to turn and all that. And you had to have those fucking printed out bullshits. And even though we had that, I know my parents ended up getting into an argument at one point, And we didn't know where the hell we were. We were trying to get to my aunt's in Chicago. And still, my mom says that it was my dad's directions. My dad said it was my mom's directions. But I'm just looking out the window and I see a sign that says, welcome to Wisconsin. And I'm like, y'all, I don't think we're near Chicago. Like, no. And they didn't believe me. I told them, I was like, we're in Wisconsin. And they didn't believe me until we passed like a little further up and we passed some kind of welcome center. Yeah. I just realize this map quest is still around they still have a website why i don't for, know like delivery drivers and stuff that don't have smartphones who doesn't have a does. smartphone um like half the population hold on let me close that door i didn't realize it was open um children don't count my grandparents don't have a smartphone but they will soon because uh my dad said that they're he has sprint slash t-mobile and they're cutting off phones that are no longer smartphones. So I don't know what my grandparents are going to do because they refuse technology. Well, here's the thing is um, delivery drivers inherently have a smartphone. Because most of the, like a lot of places like DoorDash, if you're mm-hmm. delivering for them, you have to have a smartphone or else you're not going to get any orders. So like you don't really have a choice in a lot of the delivery places on if you are going to have a smartphone or not. Like you physically have to. I know I don't deliver but i would not be able to do my job without my gps there's there's no way in hell especially like three o'clock in the morning going to get a possum out of a lady's house i would have never found her house i'm tired true very true so by this time bases on lands determines that flight 19 was somewhere east of the florida coast and north of the bahamas and at 7 27 p.m a search and rescue marine took off with 13 men. Three minutes later, base was radioed, saying the mission was underway. However, the mariner was never heard from again. And the other story goes like this. So Lieutenant Taylor radioed home base, saying his compasses were not working, and a flight instructor from Fort Lauderdale offered to fly south to meet them. But Taylor replied, quote, I know where I am now. Don't come after me, end quote. But they were never heard from again. This could have been one of the confusing messages that History.com reported, but nobody really knows because there aren't account, public accounts of the official messages. On December 22nd, y'all can go ahead and go to the next picture. On December 22nd, 1967, a yacht by the name of Witchcraft left Miami after reaching and after reaching one mile offshore, the Coast Guard received a call from the captain saying that the ship hit something, but there wasn't really any substantial damage. And the Coast Guard set off to tow the ship back to shore. But when he got there, there was no sign of any ship having been, been stranded. And this cruiser was essentially so big that it couldn't really sink. And it also included a ton of lifeboats, life jackets, flares, distress signals. But the 
Coast Guard searched hundreds of square miles and nothing turned up about the ship and it hasn't been found to this day. Some people also believe that Malaysia Airlines Flight 3014 disappeared within the Bermuda Triangle, although it is never fully confirmed because the last known location of the aircraft was when it flew over the Indian Ocean. However, it does explain despite various air and sea searches from many countries how the aircraft and its passengers have never been seen to this day because there are tons and tons of just unexplained disappearances that happen within the Bermuda Triangle. Okay, let's get into the theories and hypotheses. So probably one of the most popular hypotheses associated with these bizarre circumstances enclosed by the imaginary lines of the Bermuda Triangle is that the lost city of Atlantis sits beneath the ocean floor. This hypothesis explains that Atlantis was inhabited by a much more advanced civilization than that currently, and the people of Atlantis placed crystals where the vertices of the Bermuda Triangle lie today to power their city. The city sank, but the crystals still remain that release beams of energy toward the surface and disable the electronics of planes and ships. However, there are no facts to support this. It was written by Charles Blitz, who wrote the book that I told you at the beginning in 1974, and since then has become a popular hypothesis in the mysteries behind the disappearances. I like that one, Atlantis Crystals. Yeah. <laughs> That's, That's my one. favorite. Yeah. I haven't heard any other ones, but that one's <laughs> my absolute favorite. There are some bizarre ones, too. Well, um, right now, that's in the lead, so. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Let's keep going. So, David Crooks, from a an author in the All About Space magazine, published an article on July 8th, 2020, called... South Atlantic Anomaly, Have Astronomers Finally Explained Space's Bermuda Triangle? And he is quoted to have saying, there's a portion of space above Earth where protection from high doses of radiation is significantly weaker. End quote. In this article, he explains that the Bermuda Triangle sits where the inward Van Allen radiation belt comes nearest to the Earth's surface. And Earth has two Van Allen radiation belts, which are donut-formed rings of charged particles that encompass our planet held by Earth's magnetic field. The internal part consists of high-energy protons, and the external part is electrons. Since the belt trap the particles that are shooting from the outer layer of the sun, they wind up shielding the outer layer of the planet from harmful radiation. And this is a direct quote. At the location of the Bermuda Triangle of space, or the South Atlantic Anomaly, as it is formally known, Earth's magnetic field is particularly weak. The more intense solar radiation results in an increased flux of energy particles in this area. This affects the spacecrafts on board electric systems, which hampers the operation of these objects and forces space agencies and other satellite operators to power them down. End quote. However, this 
theory fails to explain the disappearance of ships and aircrafts within the area. It really only explains the um, just space and what exactly happened or how space is such a... Uh, I'm losing my thoughts here. It, <laughs> it really just explains why the electrical instruments in space seem to malfunction. I would like to add to that and say that the radiation is causing them to all become mutated. And so they're just jumping overboard because now they need to live in the sea, in the ocean. And they're going down to the... Sort of. I don't know if it's mermaids. I don't know. But they're going down to the lost city of Atlantis to live. I believe the correct term is merpeople. Uh, Merperson. I'm sorry, you're right. Merpeople. Um, They are becoming... Uh, we're just going to call them creatures of the ocean. So they are just jumping off board because now they need the water to survive in. And they're just swimming down to the lost city of Atl- Atlantis. Maybe that's how it was made in the first place. Possibly. So that's not my favorite theory that you have presented. I have added a spin to it that I enjoy a little bit more. Yeah, it's too scientific and um, factual and We don't realistic. like that. Yeah, we don't yeah. like actual realistic things. Yeah. Sorry, y'all. All of them are factual. That was this is... the Lost City of Atlantis was my fun one. Well, I will oh make God, them all so fun. the rest of them suck? <laughs> no. <laughs> no, they're actually very interesting. I promise. They're all going to involve mer people now. Bryce is going to make up the mer people story after I finish with each theory. Yep. I'm and how it incorporates you. into the electromagnetic field and the Lost City of Atlantis. Every okay. time. A big shout out to my dad for this next hypothesis, who got his undergraduate degree and master's of science in geology and worked in geology and geophysics in the geology and geophysics field for 41 years. Okay, can you layman's terms that for me? Because it sounded super fancy, but he does rocks, right? Rocks. He does rocks and study of um, planet solar system type well planet oh, shit really. your your dad's smart the okay planet a rock uh, we're i'm trying to dumb this down as much as possible for myself so hold up yes the planet is a rock and i'm gonna see how many times i can skip it across the solar system okay, okay. according to sciencedirect.com geophysics is the study of the physics of earth and its environment in space there you ah. go okay okay I'm down. Your dad is way too smart. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he yeah, he really is. He explains the theory of methane ice as this. Sediment strata, which is a layer of sedimentary rock or soil or igneous rock that was formed at the Earth's surface, that is at or near the bottom of the ocean, contains gas hydrates or methane ice, or that contains gas hydrate ice or methane ice that may occasionally burp, releasing large bubbles of C4 or methane, frothing the sea. This justifies sinking ships and explains why plane engines tend to cut out due to the lack of oxygen. And it has been proven that sizable amounts of methane gas exist in some spots in the ocean floor. It could potentially happen rapidly, even in seconds, which explains 
the little to no, which explains how some of the disappearances have received no radio transmissions because they don't have any time to radio for help or for the crew to abandon the ship. So mer people farts. No, I was going to say the earth burps. I'm going with mer people farts. If anything, it's a burp. She used the terminology burp. Methane. Methane can be a fart. I'm just saying it's it's a burp. That would be a pretty damn bad fart. Shit. I don't want to fart out. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, like owls, they contribute to global warming because of their methane farts. So I did not know that. Fun fact. Yeah, it's not like it's not like a huge percentage, but. I'm pretty sure they do. I hope I didn't just say that and that's an inaccurate fact, but I read that somewhere. We're also <laughs> zoologists here, so we know everything about all the animals. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. I'm the worst animal oh, control gosh. officer ever. The, the owl's farts contribute to uh, global warming, so. Yeah. So every time your cow farts, you kill a cloud. Yep. Oh, that's so sad. <laughs> okay. Although this particular hypothesis has not been proven to exist yet, some people believe that wormholes have something to do with the disappearance within disappearances within the ones were done because wormholes seem fun. Yeah, I'm listening. <laughs> All right. According to Richard Holman, and I hope I'm pronouncing that right. Wait a minute. I'm sorry. Did you say that Richard Holman is about to talk to us about black holes? A professor of physics at Carnegie Mellon University. <laughs> That's fucking wonderful. Wait, who <laughs> is it? A wormhole huh? Holman. His last name. Oh. Oh. <laughs> I trust this man already. I trust I, him wholeheartedly. This was literally meant to be for him. Like there is no other <laughs> career for him. Like, this I honestly didn't even see that, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> y'all make up the weirdest shit. <laughs> okay, what's Mr. Holman got to say? I'm listening. Received from scientificamerican.com, quote, wormholes are solutions to the Einstein field equations for gravity that act as tunnels, connecting points in space-time in such a way that the trip between the points through the wormhole could take much less time than the trip through normal space. End quote. And this hypothesis in the Bermuda Triangle is essentially says that somewhere within the Bermuda Triangle, there is a wormhole and it's when you go in it, it spouts you out to either way, way in the future or way, way in the past. And you can't really come back like wormholes are there so that you can't really go back in the wormhole. It's a one-way lane. Exactly. And this hypothesis is used as a reason why many aircrafts and sea crafts are never found after they essentially disappear. Okay. I like that one too. Yeah. I do. I enjoy that one. I I enjoy a good wormhole by the whole man. (laughs) Dated all the way back to Columbus, pilots have been sailing within the boundaries of the sailing and flying within the boundaries of the Bermuda Triangle have reported their instruments malfunctioning. 
Although it has not been significantly proven, there have been numerous theories and hypotheses surrounding the fact that the islands, Bermuda, is all that remains of an underwater volcano. The Science Channel explains that, volcanic, that the volcanic magma left over after the eruption contained heavy amounts of iron, which essentially is magma, that gives the area surrounding the islands magnetic properties and therefore, in, and therefore influence ship compasses. Minerals prospector Nick Hutchings studied the area and noticed that on the island, there is a 500-foot layer that contains roughly 18 to 20 percent magnetites. He explains this to be the most magnetic, naturally occurring substance on Earth. And that was a quote. This would perhaps explain Columbus's erratic compass readings and many others who have claimed their instruments to malfunction. And I thought that that one was really important because literally on every single site that I found for theories for the Bermuda Triangle or hypotheses or what have you, electromagnetation met. And I hope that's a word, I don't know. Electromagnetation was there. If it's not a word, it is now. It's our <laughs> word. It's definitely a very um, popular theory, but it really doesn't, to me, explain the disappearances. Just explains that. So essentially, within the Bermuda Triangle, um, compasses malfunction because true north doesn't point true north, but it points to the gosh something explains some video that i watched explained this really well but true north is essentially the um the north pole and within the bermuda triangle compasses malfunction because they don't point true north but they point in like a different direction and so this theory explain or theoreticizes that that is due to the Bermuda Islands and the volcanic magma left over. And the most boring theory, I didn't really like this one, but I feel like I have to include it for those non-believers. <laughs> and I hope I'm pronouncing this right. Larry Koosh, Koosh's theory. Um, Larry Koosh or Kush was an author, and I say was, he is no longer an author, but is still alive and well today at 81 years old, so good for you, who studied okay. the Bermuda Triangle and the accidents that have occurred within the triangular region right off the tip of Florida. Bryce, what is that? That looks really good. Um, <laughs> it's, a, it's a mock Cafe Rio sweet pork salad without the rice and beans, because I didn't want to make rice and beans, but I made the mm. sweet pork. What the fuck good. is that? Cafe Rio sweet pork salad? It sounds delicious, and I don't even know what the fuck that is. Olay. You've never had... Olay! <laughs> You've never had cafe... You don't have a Cafe Rio in your area, huh? No. Oh, that's a thing. That's like a place. It's a, it's a place. It's a restaurant. Oh, no. Never heard of it. This is the best mock um, sweet pork I found, so mm -hmm. I'll send you the recipe, and you can get some sense of what it is. Oh, fuck yeah. Okay. Yeah, so. we don't have a Cafe Rio, but apparently chocolate gravy is a thing in Arkansas, which I've never heard of in my whole ass life. What's chocolate gravy? gravy it's literally what chocolate. it sounds like. Duh. Yeah. Apparently what do you they put eat it, it on? 
Biscuits for breakfast. I could for, get on that train right there. Um, for breakfast? That was the weirdest. That was the weirdest thing I've ever heard of. Like, it's good. I've had it before. Most of the time it's good. Sometimes it just tastes like watery chocolate pudding. It's not great. But I was talking about tomato gravy at work. And my coworkers were like, what the fuck is tomato gravy? That sounds horrible. Motherfucker, you eat chocolate gravy. Okay, calm down. What is tomato gravy? Gravy made from tomatoes. Does it taste like a tomato? Actually, no, it's the damnedest thing. It tastes like a potato. <laughs> well, yeah, it tastes like tomatoes. It's like tomatoes. It's kind of like tomato sauce, just thicker, and you eat it like over rice hey, or biscuits no, or something. I guess tomatoes, that was my question. I once had a drink that, like an alcoholic drink that had tomato juice in it, and it was the most terrible thing I've ever tried in my entire life. A Bloody Mary? Are you talking about a Bloody Mary? No, 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 oh, no. No, okay. it was out of a can. And oh, are you talking terrible. about a a canned Bloody Mary? They have those. No, it def- it was not a Bloody Mary. Or something? A Clamato mm-hmm. or Clamata or something. It's like beer Maybe. with a chlamydia. Like a- Is that what you no, just I don't, are trying I don't to think say? We're not talking about the clap. No, I'm. That's yeah, what that's it sounds like mind. you're trying to say. No, no, not talking about. Well, I guess you might get that at a bar, though, depending on what kind of bars you go to. Okay, anyways, back on story. <laughs> Bree is sick of us. We always know when you're sick of us. Kush or Kush's conclusion was that the publication and mainstream of these Bermuda Triangle occurrences are a, quote, manufactured mystery. Roman and Littlefield publishers paraphrase Kush or Kush's find. I'm just going to say Kush. Kush's findings. As, quote, over the years, raw materials of official accident reports, newspaper accounts, articles in the mainstream press, and word of mouth have been assimilated into a false mystery, end quote. Okay, well, this is what I have to say about Cooch here. He's wrong. <laughs> well, essentially, Cooch did do a lot of research within the Bermuda Triangle, and he found that there aren't uh, there aren't a disturbing amount of disappearances that have happened within the Bermuda Triangle that have not happened within any other 500, mi- 500 square mile portion of the ocean. So wait, is he saying that the Bermuda, Bermuda the <clears throat> Bermuda, I got that you. thing, the Bermuda, thank you. Is he saying it doesn't exist? He's saying that it does exist, but it exists due to simply the fact that mainstream media has publicized it so much and made it just this odd and strange occurrence. So He's according wrong. to him, I can pick any 500 miles out I of the ocean and there's just as many weird happenings as the Bermuda Triangle. Well, I know that within the Indian Ocean, the Malaysian flight disappeared and there are a bunch of others who have disappeared within the Indian Ocean as well. I don't know about, you know, like, specific other places. Mm-hmm. I personally did not read the book. I just really read synopsises, synopses of them, yeah. of it. But I refuse to accept his, his theory. Yeah. No, I don't, I don't like his theory, and I don't like his sweater vest. I did at the beginning, but now <laughs> I don't. 
I don't like his receding hairline. I don't like his full beard or his what are they? The, the chops? What are they called? The mutton chops that he's got going on? Oh shit! I didn't even notice the mutton chops, and that's like mutton. I chops? just saw the goatee. What even is a mutton? Chop? Wait, a mutton chop would go long farther down, right? Uh, what so is that it called? Just side, a sideburn. 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 That's what it is. Yeah. Yeah. No. The, the it's real. It's real, sir. And it I'm for offended. sure it's real. Yeah, the Mer people are real. Atlantis is gonna hunt you down, right? With their Mer farts, they're gonna burp <laughs> you off of this planet. <laughs> I thought it was fart. They're gonna fart you off of this planet yes. with their. It's burps. either a burp or a fart. We don't know which one is. They're gonna burp you off of this planet with their farts. Yes, they're gonna man-made methane your ass into a one-sided black hole. They're gonna merp you out. Is all we know. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, of course, there are many other theories and hypotheses associated with the Bermuda Triangle, but these are really the most profound. The mystery of the Bermuda Triangle and the disappearance linked to what happens within these imaginary lines is still unknown to this day. There There are hypotheses and theories that describe extraterrestrial or supernatural beings involved. However, the likelihood that these beings abduct only those who travel within these lines is implausible. However, nothing is off the table. I personally don't know what to believe, but I know something strange is happening, and maybe all these theories kind of explain in part the disappearances of ships and aircrafts and the malfunctioning of instruments and electronic instruments. But what do y'all think? Oh, you already know what I think. Mine's the more Amanda, what do you version. think? <laughs> I will say, like, okay, you know what? Logically. I can get behind, yeah, I can get behind the, the logical and the realistic of all these, and some of them make sense. Like, uh, what the hell is this? Come here. The, uh, the radiation one. Like, okay, I'm looking, I'm looking at your picture here, like, I can see this, but Atlantis and the Mer people are still my favorite. Like I want, I, I want that mysticism. That will always be my favorite. I know. I mean, I can get behind. I get it. It's science, and it's you know, it makes more sense. But that's, that's not fun. Yeah, that's like that's why I like paranormal stuff because it's things that I can't explain. Like, don't explain it. What the hell are yeah. you doing? You're ruining it. <laughs> but yeah. I get it. Yeah, don't ruin things for me. It's like when people tell me that it's just my imagination when I very clearly heard a ghost. Mm-hmm. Y'all, I am literally baffled that I just got like 12, literally 12 pages of notes and I told it to y'all in like an hour. Y'all didn't do enough comp. We were just, we were entranced. We were listening. Yeah. I also at one point had a dog attacking my face because I thought she'd be sweet and snuggle. She was not sweet. She did not snuggle. Oh. Speaking of animals, wait. Oh, look at him. He's so cute. So curled up. Oh, yeah. yeah. I still need to put that rug beneath my thing, but I still haven't. No, not right now. He's using it. You can't take it yet. Yeah. He's. Exactly. Your rug? Whose rug is that? That's his. That's obviously Simba's rug. Yeah. Honestly, y'all, I had that rug. Um, I bought it, I think, off of like Wish for like five bucks. And originally it was, I mean, I didn't want that color. I didn't want it at all. It was supposed to be brown, but it's pink. it's hot pink. Because Wish. It doesn't make any sense. 
Yeah. And um, they, and you know, when I was living at not my previous apartment, but the apartment before mine, what? I'm sorry. I was just laughing at how ironic wish is because you find all this great stuff and you have to wish that it comes in correctly. (laughs) (laughs) Wish for what you ordered. Yeah. But anyway, Uh, you were saying, I'm sorry. Yeah. And I just put it like underneath my coffee table at two apartments ago and Simba loved it. He has never slept on the floor that much. He always sleeps in his cat bed, but. So it is his rug. Yeah. So he that's, does what he wants with his. I wanted to have it in my my office. <clears throat> oh, okay. I see what you're doing. I see what you're doing. Um, I my cats don't like me, so it, it doesn't matter. <laughs> I don't know why, but Simba is the weirdest cat. He's such a snuggle bug. Like he's my, he's half dog. My cat's a bitch. It just is what it is. But she was my cat also literally like meow and like sit on my lap like the entire day and start biting me if I'm not petting him. Man just wants food. Yeah, our our female cat will come and demand love and if I try to touch my keyboard, because normally she does this while I'm trying to work, she'll attack my arms while I try to work if I'm not loving on her. <laughs> the male cat, he just he stinks. I don't pet him. Ugh. He's got a giant <laughs> oh. abscess on his neck that we're trying to clear up, so that's fun. What is an abscess? Oh, uh, it's not pretty. Uh, he pocket. Yeah, it's. Uh. Yeah, and he's been itching at it, so it's all bald right there. Do you pop it at home? Oh yeah. Well, it was already popped when we found it because we didn't know about it until the other day. Uh, but Cody sends me a picture, and it's like we might need to take Smokey to the vet because I don't know what's going on with him. And I'm looking at that, and I'm like, that's an abscess. Like, you can tell. And I just I'll, looked I'll it up on Google, picture. and apparently people can get abscess on their gums uh-huh Ew. and cats cats will get them from getting in a in fights because cats are not hygienic creatures apparently so when mm. they are bitten or scratched that's why simba's a house cat he's he's not gonna go outside unsupervised here let me send you the picture of our cat yes please because i love i y'all y'all I love shit like that. Like, send me you a video of a videos? yes. Send me the pimples. Send me the abscesses. Send me the bot flies. I love that shit. Yeah, it looks really bad in that picture. But once we actually cleaned it up, it doesn't look quite as bad. But you can see where the pus the pus is coming out already. So I think mm-hmm. he was itching at it because it was bothering him, and he popped it on his own, and we just noticed later. But our female cat, she's had abscess, so. Uh, for our cats, we're noticing that they always come in two, so they always have two right next to each other, and I'm assuming it's either two claw marks or two bite marks right there. Um, so we always yeah. have two that we have to pop. So he popped those ones on his own, and we've just been cleaning up the aftermath because we didn't know about it. Yeah. And he's an indoor-outdoor cat, so he's in and out. We don't see him every day. So, Damn, that's a good one. Mm-hmm. I feel like Simba would literally just get like beaten up by other cats because he's so he's so sweet. He's you know a, what? He's my little baby. Um, I our can't cat let that happened to him. Yeah, our cat that passed away uh, two December, so not last December, but the December before. He was the biggest sweetheart around us. Like he was like super snuggly. He loved hanging out. He was the, he was such a chill cat. Like we uh, that cat 
defined what we thought having a cat would be like, and the other cats are have ruined that. But um, he was the biggest bully when he went outside. Like we literally, there was a night that Cody and I were outside just hanging out, and we saw like a little orange tabby, and we were calling the cat over, like trying to pet it. And our cat Beamer walks up and just freaking. He's so nonchalant. He's like within a couple feet of it and it's all calm. And then two seconds later, he's freaking attacking this other cat. We're like, what the hell? Beamer was a bully outside, but inside he was a sweetheart. My cat will literally chase the dogs. Like if the dogs, if, yeah, if Buck and Maple go running through the house, which they always do because, well, yeah, anyway. But if they go running through the house, she stays in the dining room and sometimes the spare bedroom. She will literally come out of whatever room she's in when she hears them and will chase them down and swat at them. And I'm like, girl, you were, you were good where you were at. Like, just, yeah. just stay. Um, we actually used to, so with that cat that passed away, Beamer, we used to watch him and the dogs play tag out back all the time. So we would see like him running away from the dogs and then all of a sudden, we look out again, and he's chasing the dogs. It was the cutest thing. Oh, I miss our beamer. Sorry oh. if y'all heard my dogs barking. They scared the fuck out of me. I actually no. couldn't hear it. I didn't hear anything. I'm surprised, because Buck is literally under the desk. Hey! Well, that hey. was a good one, Bree. I think we could probably do a whole other episode on more stories, for one, and more theories for the Bermuda Triangle. But I maybe we do can. that as a... Uh, as a like a Patreon special. Yeah, that could be a bonus episode. That's actually a really good idea because I had a ton. I mean, I probably had about twenty stories and twenty um, theories, but I had to cut it down to roughly about uh, how many do I have? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, seven stories and one, two, three, four, five, six theories. That'd be a fun bonus one for us to do is each of us come with like two or three uh, stories. Yeah. We just, we tell each other stories. Yeah. Uh, that'd be a fun one for a bonus episode. Let's plan that one. I don't know. What. Like what? Hold on. Like uh, tell each other black Jesus Christ. No, you weren't listening, Amanda. F. You get an F for that one. <laughs> just kidding. No, um, for Bermuda Triangle stories. So, like, there's way more stories and way more theories. So, if we each come with a couple more and do a bonus episode on Patreon with some Bermuda Triangle stories. Isn't that what I said? No, you said wormhole or something. I don't know what you said. Oh. <laughs> I meant Bermuda Triangle. I don't know what the fuck I said. But I meant Bermuda you Triangle. You did not say Bermuda Triangle. I have no idea what you said. but You did not say what we were saying. So, it came out with oh. a failure. That was a Oops. terrible oral exam you just took. <laughs> That's what I meant was the Bermuda Triangle. We did that. Because I was going to say, how do we know if we come with like the same story? Um, That's why we bring like two or three to the table and then choose our favorite. We each tell if, one, but. What if I'm, okay. what if I'm last and. Three. And Bryce, you tell two stories. Amanda, you tell two stories. And so we each tell one story. We each tell one story, but come prepared with two or three just in case. Okay, come prepared with three stories just in case. Got it. Yes. Oh, my goodness. You guys are overthinking this. 
Actually, technically, I'm like always the last one on nose goes, so I'll most likely be the one that goes. First. I think that's because Amanda and I cheat. We look at each other, and something happens, and we're already touching our noses. Fuck <laughs> you! So. <laughs> nose goes. Oh, I'm sorry. Nose goes. What um, the fuck? <laughs> I don't even know what where nose goes, and she just said <laughs> nose goes, so I did it. I don't. You you flipped us off, so I was returning the favor. <laughs> Look, I played a lot of Circle of Death. Okay, so you you learned the nose goes. A lot of what? Circle of Death. Yeah, What's what that? is that? It's a drinking game, y'all. Are you sure it's you not a cult? Fucked up. It kind of well, is. You get it's bad, but it's basically okay. like you sit around in a circle and everybody draws a card, and each card means something different. So, like if you're if you draw an ace and. It's also like house rules, so different people have different rules. But we always uh, played, I think it was an eight. No, eight was infinity. And you drank, you picked somebody and you both took a shot until one of them didn't want to take a shot anymore. And then they lost infinity. Um, one of them was basically nose goes. And whenever you picked, I told you, you get fucked up. Whenever you pulled that card, the last person to do nose, they would have to drink. Hey, okay. you're drinking. <laughs> Just kidding. Technically, Amanda was the last one to do it because I didn't actually do it. So fight me. No, but that literally, when you said a drinking game, that literally reminded me of, y'all have seen New Girl, right? No. Only a little bit. Okay. Look up New Girl and look up drinking game. Oh, there. Oh, God. What is that called now? It's, um, hold up. Because there's. True American? True American, that's it. Yep. But there's, like, an online version of it, and it's not the, like, same, per se, as the one from New Girl, but it's very similar, and I want to play, so. Wait, this sounds chaotically hilarious. Yeah, so, okay, when we finally meet each other in person, which will happen one day, we need to agree that we're going to play True American. True American. Fuck yeah. Okay, done, deal. And we have to have as many people as possible, so y'all have to bring your husbands. Uh, I don't know if Cody's invited. He's on my okay. shit list. He couldn't figure my out husband, the pressure cooker. Okay, you, my you husband won't drink, but he can drive my drunk ass. Well, okay, I actually have an extra, I actually have two extra bedrooms that you can sleep in. Plus, I've got a queen size um, blow up mattress, so y'all could both sleep on that. But. I could invite a shit ton of my friends. I've got three best friends, Nina, Emily, and Emily. Shout out to I already you. feel oh, real old. I'm like, I have <laughs> Cody. <laughs> I've got, well, I don't have like, I don't have a lot of friends, but my best friends are the friends that I hang out with like all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, I can guarantee my best friends that I, I, we don't hang out, but like it's, it's those friendships where I can call them and, it's like no time has passed, but we're also busy with life, you know? Yeah, yeah. I got um, some of those. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, they're not going to drink those with me. Friends. Yeah, those friends those aren't going to drink with me. I live in Utah, guys. I mean, maybe Liv would, but I don't, still, I'm not sure if she would. I don't think she would. Oh, well, I got I mean, a girl in back home that she would definitely drink. She is literally Aunt Daiquiri to Annie. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. I like it. Okay, guys. Um, 
Thank you guys oh. for listening to Hell on Heels podcast. Please follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Hell on Heels podcast and Facebook, which is Hell on Heels. Actually, Bree, did we ever set up Facebook? I think I did. Okay. Uh, I actually have not checked. No. We're going to make sure that's set up because I don't know. Anyways, if you want to support us, you can donate through Patreon. Um, if you have your own true crime or paranormal stories, please email us at hellonheelspodcast at gmail.com. You can also find us on Linktree. Um, you can find our Linktree just by going to our Instagram, which is the easiest way to find it. So I would recommend just going there to find our link Linktree to get to all of our things. Um, a big shout out to Amanda's husband, James, for creating our intro music. It's a little jam every time I listen to it. Um, be sure to like, review, and subscribe on whatever platform you can. You can now review, not review, you can rate on Spotify as well as Apple Podcasts. So if you guys could do that, that'd be really, really wonderful. For all of our listeners, you guys are so awesome. If you could please, please share our podcast with your friends, family, enemies, frenemies. I don't care. Share it. Send it out there. Uh, maybe you and your enemies will start getting along. And then if there are any of you that are listening and it's not on your preferred listening platform, please let us know and we will work on getting those up on that preferred listening platform. Um, and then this has been Hell on Hills podcast. Thank you guys for listening. Bye. Bye. Bye.